From Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Hector Navarro. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is known for his unmistakable characters on Saturday Night Live and his insanely likable voices on shows like Chosen, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, We Bear Bears, The Simpsons, and movies like Monsters University, Inside Out, and The Secret Life of Pets. And now he's playing the pluckiest little evergreen tree in the upcoming Nickelodeon Christmas movie, Albert. I'm a huge fan and cannot wait to talk to drunk uncle himself, Bobby Moynihan. Thank you again for for doing this, for sitting down with us for a bit. When did you first fall in love with animation? Uh, I loved animation as a kid. I watched everything. I, I was very big into action figures when I was a kid. I was very into like G.I. Joe and Mask and even earlier though with like the Smurfs and I feel like to be honest it was the toys that brought me in. Like <laughs> I, I think my sister had oh gosh what was the name of it? Rainbow Bright and like I had like a purple pie man from Rainbow Bright and once I realized that you could like collect them all and you could create this universe of people that was that was to me what was appealing about it. It was like once Star Wars came out, my mind exploded. And then that kind of brought me into the like the Saturday morning cartoons was the toys kind of, I think. Uh, you're a very out and proud geek. And I was going to ask you this. What's it like to see toys of stuff that you have voiced? What is that like? Uh, it's the greatest. I mean, like for, for yes, I love the term out and proud geek, by yeah. the way. It's very <laughs> fun. Like I, like I had to tell my parents. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah. For <laughs> like a while I had to break there, it we, to them. We did have to. And then the internet. He happened thought he was going to play hockey. Yeah, then, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we still love him. We still um, love him. <laughs> no, I mean that it, it is the best. I'm a 40 year old man, and I have a, I have a room in my house filled with uh, stuffed animals of of characters that I've played, and I'm I'm not I'm not upset about that. Stuff from Inside Out, and stuff from Monsters University, and just a lot of toys I've voiced. I may or may not uh, have tried to get some of action figures made of characters that are not available. <laughs> <laughs> When did you know I'm going to do comedy for a living? I have to do this. Uh, the day I quit working at Pizzeria Uno to to start doing uh, to start doing improv, you know, full time or at least as much as I could. That was the big jump for me. Was like you can either be the manager of this bar, which is not something I should ever do, is be in charge of any kind of money or people. <laughs> it was either that. It was either stay there and keep working and be a manager at a, at a chain restaurant, or you know, try and go do it and. I think that was the big step. It was like once I started getting those bits on Conan O'Brien and like doing like the, his little, um, you know, he would bring people on to do weird stuff. And I was usually like in my underwear or in, a, in some <laughs> sort of weird costume. And that's when I realized <laughs> I had found what I wanted. <laughs> that's amazing. Bobby, you're a great writer. How important is improv to you and your process? Uh, very much so. I mean, I think, in, especially in my process, it's probably, you know, the starting point and hopefully the ending point. Uh, when I found Upright Citizens Brigade, when I first went there and saw a show, I went, this is it. This is how I want to do, you know, what I want to do. And uh, I, I believe I just came back the next morning and asked to be a bartender or I signed up for classes and like... <laughs> Back then, it was like there was only 60 people, you know, in the whole UCB community. There wow. wasn't a lot of people. I was like the last team at the old theater. And uh, 
that was it. I mean, I, I just started. I met Charlie Sanders, and I just started uh, working with him and Chris Gethard uh, and Zach Woods and Michael Delaney, and I just found these guys that I, I really loved and then just – you know, took classes, just immersed myself completely, and I pretty much just didn't leave UCB for a couple of years. I just at every any free time that I had, I would be there, taking in as much improv as possible and learning and trying to get better at it. And uh, if it wasn't for UCB, I wouldn't be on SNL. If it wasn't for UCB, I wouldn't have friends. Um, <laughs> it's given me it's given me a lot of stuff in my life that uh, I'm very very thankful for. But uh, as far as improv goes, I mean, improv taught me. It's really hard to do, but if you go up on stage every night with people that you trust and you make things up, you can get to a really beautiful, insane place that you never would have gotten by just sitting down and trying to write something, you know? Eight minds thinking exactly alike. And I was on a team called Police Chief Rumble, and at one point, I was also on the Stepfathers, too. But at one point with Police Chief Rumble, like, people would just step out before the other person started talking. Like, they just, we knew each other so well, and... We were a very silly group, and when we knew – it's like you could go for a trust fall and someone was going to catch you no matter what, if that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, that that's the part of improv that, that I love, and it helps a great deal. I mean, starting – most of the – most of my favorite sketches from SNL started off with two idiots in a room at 3 o'clock in the morning just <laughs> improvising and doing stupid stuff or making fun of somebody that we saw in the cafeteria or walking by and then just – then all of a sudden you're doing it on live television. <laughs> <laughs> for people that are just getting into improv and they're just discovering this world and then trying it out for themselves, what is your take on making it work for you? What's your take on that? Uh, it's it's one of those things where you either got it or you don't, but there are ways to get better. I mean, I, when I was a teacher, there would always be the guy who would come in and go like, my all of my accountant buddies say I'm the funniest accountant they know. <laughs> and I was like, well, good luck. Good luck, buddy. And uh, <laughs> But like, you know, it's getting out there and doing it, and one of the the one thing that improv taught me, which is not stand up, is stand up. You go and it's you. It's all your. It's all you. And no matter what happens, it's on you. But improv taught me you get up there and you trust other people, and other people are going to be funny, and you don't have to be the star of the show. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, in improv, you know, it's the it's the team that's the star of the show, and it's you do it so much, and you become so accustomed to the rules of it. You know, and like it seems like there's no rules in improv, but there are, and there's a structure to it. And once you know that, and once you're with people that can do it really, really well, and you take it seriously. You get really good. I mean, you spend I, – I, I think I've said this before as a joke, but I, I, I truly mean it. You spend, you know, 10 years of your life in the back hallway underneath a grocery store making dumb sounds and <laughs> – <laughs> and then, you know, you do it long enough, you trust these people that they're not going to tell everyone <laughs> what you sound like. And uh, you just get there, you know. It, it, for, for me, doing improv was not necessarily about doing improv. It was more about becoming friends with really, really funny people. And then the improv just comes out of that. Mm, that was the nugget. That's beautiful advice. <laughs> <laughs> Was doing voices for cartoons, for animation, for TV show, for movies, was that always sort of a dream of yours, a goal of yours, or did you just kind of fall into it? No, not at all. It was a weird thing. I mean, I always enjoyed cartoons and I always did voices. I, I, I'm not the best impressionist in the world. I don't <laughs> do a lot of accents. I fa I think I failed my accent class. I went to. I was an acting major at UConn. <laughs> I did fail. I, I remember I failed because they made me take it 
over the phone. They made me take like a summer school class over the phone with David Allen Stern, very nice man, <laughs> very, uh, very silly class over the phone to just sit there being a college graduate and like talking in a British accent over the phone was pretty <laughs> silly. Hence my hatred for accents. Um, <laughs> uh, I was never very good, at, uh, very good at that or I'm not a mimic in any way, shape or form, but I was blessed with a weird voice and I smoked for a little while, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started doing like just silly, with more character voices than anything else and then i think my one of my first jobs was doing the voice of donald trump's hair in a commercial for the comedy central roast of donald trump i believe that was like one of the first like voiceover things i did and then they brought a show called empire square over from the uk and i did a bunch of voices on that and that was kind of like the first time where i realized like oh this is super fun and it was like a cartoon that already existed so it was more matching, you know, the voice to an already existing cartoon and taking out the British jokes and making them more American jokes. Um, <laughs> but, like, that process I enjoyed a great deal, but I didn't really think anything of it at the time. And then after that show aired and I started getting excited about animation and then sought it out as, mu as much as possible and I've gotten pretty lucky in the past few years with it. What do you love most about going into a booth and, and being told, okay, you can go ahead and play now. You're doing a voice. What is it that you love most about that? I'm going to go the selfish route and say the, the best part of animation is when you do it, you do it and it's fun and it's wonderful and you get to use all these techniques and no one can see your face. You can do it in your pajamas, all those, like all the <laughs> cliched voiceover stuff. But the honestly, and this is just very selfish, the best part for me is sitting down in the theater and watching it just because it's usually like two to three years later. You kind of don't remember what it was about <laughs> or you remember most of it. Or, or And then you just see the work of these amazingly talented animators that make it look beautiful and, and the timing and the pacing between certain cartoons and how that fits. And all I'm doing is sitting in front of a mic and saying crazy stuff. And there are thousands of people that are working very, very hard otherwise from <laughs> sound engineers to, you know, the artists and everybody who, who, who gets everything else done. You were in The Secret Life of Pets. You played Mel. Of course, Mel has a very New Yorker energy. Do you feel like that is something that is just right up your wheelhouse at this point? Absolutely, I can do that. No problem. Um, yeah, to the point where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do the excited New Yorker thing anymore. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that, uh, that, that in particular, uh, going in for Secret Life of Pets, I, I didn't even, that was one of those things where I was very lucky enough to get offered something where I just got sent a, a, a mock-up of the character in the mail and I saw his little legs and that face and I went, yeah, I'll do this no matter what. <laughs> and I think we went through a couple voices. At first, like, he was more of like a ladies' man, kind of like, not Tim Meadows' ladies' man, although that <laughs> I should have tried. He was more of like a uh, skeevy kind of thing and then we kind of... I think maybe possibly because of my own personality leaked in a little bit. We kind of made him just a dumb, stupid New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> you voice Panda on We Bear Bears. I do. What is it like for you as an actor to be on a series like We Bear Bears? Uh, it's the best, especially when it gets picked up to series because, you know, you get to do it for a long time. I get <laughs> uh, I get super into it. So, like, once people like it and you know you might be doing it for a while, then, you know, you, it's... In my mind, it just becomes a thing. Like, I love Panda. I love going to play Panda on days where I know I'm going to have to do that voice. I get very quiet and very adorable. And then... <laughs> 
that that's another thing I've noticed too, which is like booking. I can't book We Bear Bears before a, a, a Nature Cat thing because then I'll be too low energy to do Nature Cat because Nature <laughs> Cat, I'm just a screaming idiot. What's your process like to get into the headspace of Panda? What's part of your routine? Now that I I know kind of like my wheelhouse for Panda, I, it's uh, this is going to sound weird, but it's just I'll, I'll, I'll I sit down. I will sit in a very uh, lazy posture. Um, some voiceover, I'll st- I stand up and you know be very energetic and walk around and stuff. But for Panda, I just know that if I sit down and get kind of in this register, and it's it's all about not going above a certain decibel for Panda for me. <laughs> What do you think that animation does for people when they watch it that we don't get from other things like live action stuff and video games and everything? What is it about animation? It's imagination. I mean, like it's 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 anything you can imagine they they can draw, you know, especially now with this with you know with such advanced CGI and all that stuff and you can do anything. I mean, another thing that blows my mind is in, the movie Inside Out. I'm in that and for a, a small moment and I, I feel more proud about that than anything else just because that movie in particular like if you had a kid who maybe had emotional problems or if you if you, if you have a child that maybe doesn't express themselves uh, very easily or something it it's like a template now for feelings and it's like there are kids now that are like they can maybe they didn't talk but now they can show their mom the anger doll and say this is what I'm feeling right now or they can you know, they watch that movie and they go, my imaginary friend is not Bing Bong the Pink Elephant, but that's how I feel. You know, it it just bridges this gap between your imagination and, and the real world. It's it's an amazing tool for, for children and parents to communicate to each other. That, that, that I feel very lucky to be a part of that movie and to be a part of any kind of animation. to me about, this is so cool, you are now going to become one of the many actors that are part of a Christmas special. Of course, I'm talking about Albert, and you're voicing the main yeah, character. Yeah, the best. What has that been like? It's been amazing. Uh, it's been super fun to get to, uh, there's a lot of great people in the cast, Rob Riggles, Sashir Zameda, uh, Judah Friedlander, a lot of awesome people, but also just the it's loosely based, I believe, on the on a tree trying to be the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, although I believe it's called something else. But uh, growing up here in New York and seeing that tree every year and that now for the past eight years working in a building directly outside of it and seeing the Christmas tree lighting from Lauren's office every year. And wow. I have very uh, strong feelings and memories of this tree, and I will for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> I met the Muppets for the first time uh, while lighting that tree. SNL means a lot to me, so so to be able to do uh, this animated project uh, uh, essentially about what I feel like is the animated version of me trying to get SNL, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was something that I was I was very excited about. And it's also the idea of having something that kids can watch every Christmas and maybe grow up on is is very it's mind-blowing. Nice. If anyone says you're not Christmassy enough, send them to me. Break a branch! And not literally! Just an expression! Trunk in. Branches out. Be the tree! So Albert wants to be the Empire City Christmas tree. When did you go, this is me, hoping to get on SNL. This is the underdoggiest story of all the underdogs, and that's me. <laughs> Was that pretty early on, or...? 
they said, do you want to do this thing for Nickelodeon animation? I said, yes, I'm in. <laughs> and then they kept going, and I kept saying, yes, I'm in. Um, uh, yeah, no, very early on. I believe when it was first pitched to me, it actually was the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, and then that changed. Maybe they couldn't get the rights. I, don't, I could talk to Lauren if you need me to, but I don't know if <laughs> But uh, that alone, just the idea of the story of a tree that is maybe a little cocky and maybe for the wrong reasons wants to be, you know, the center of attention, wants to be the Rockefeller Center Christmas or the Empire City Christmas tree, you know, and kind of just going off and doing it. There, there's so many different lessons about learning and about friendship and about your own bravado. And there's so many wonderful things. It's not like your regular Christmas movie and that that really appealed to me and then also it's got all that sweet awesome Christmas stuff in it yeah <laughs> and it's got sweet awesome SNL people in it what's it like having Sashir be yeah. your sort of animated partner in crime what's that like uh, it's pretty much the same exact thing as work I never see her we talk a lot and be very silly and then uh, <laughs> and then we see each other very in very hectic modes for an hour and a half a night on Saturday <laughs> Albert's gonna be the Empire City Christmas tree maybe you've heard of it well you don't say. The most famous Christmas tree in the whole dang universe. Guys, uh, we should roll. Well, not the universe, not the whole thing, you know, just the world. Oh, don't be modest, Albert. Yeah, don't be modest, Al. You're the Empire City Christmas tree, Al. Everyone loves you, Al. Oh, that's because the truly perfect Christmas tree, like moi, radiates. What are you hoping that families take away after they watch Albert together? I hope that they say, that was amazing. I love you all. Let's meet here again next year and do this again. <laughs> and then they watch it again every Christmas and they learn and grow and have friendships and loves that last forever. That's beautiful. That's what I wish for everyone. That's really beautiful. <laughs> you got to sing a song in this too. Was that something? Yeah, that sorry. You, did, did you, <laughs> why are you apologizing? Was it your idea? Did you pitch that, or did they bring this to you like Bobby? No, we no, get you to no. Sing. I know. My wife is a Broadway singer, and uh, so that's where my intrepidation comes: is fear that she will hear it and it will not be perfect and not something that she loves. So that that's where my trepidation for singing comes. But uh, no, I did a lot of musical theater and stuff as a kid. Um, I don't have the the best voice in the world. I can carry a tune sometimes. I think I'm aided a lot by technology and <laughs> now. But uh, are you um, are you auto tuned in this? Is that what you're saying? Oh God, I hope so. I hope. Um, I don't. I don't know. I get, I get very nervous about singing, so I'm the I'm the I'm the wrong person to ask about my singing. <laughs> I admit that when it comes to Christmas, I can get a little extreme. <laughs> it's been a year of waiting, so I'll start decorating the morning after Halloween. How have you been prepping for the sort of Christmas season? Every year it's earlier and earlier. How are you getting prepped? Uh, I'm ringing bells and chiming chimes. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of the things that Albert does. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited. Christmas is a wonderful time of year, and I enjoy it a great deal. I'm still very much a, a kid at heart, so I enjoy uh, a Christmas time. And my sister has had a kid recently, so it makes it even even more fun to get to experience it with him. And, and this is something I, I can't wait to show him as well. 
being able to be a part of it and being able to I've watched so much Nickelodeon stuff my entire life and now I get to be on Nickelodeon it's the best that's awesome what kind of what kind of Nick stuff uh, (laughs) did you watch what kind of stuff do you like um, I, I did watch and still watch, uh, you can't do that on television and out of control. Both. <laughs> I still watch on YouTube all the time. Uh, we keep trying to crack, uh, a, a out of control type show for SNL. Me and Mikey Day keep saying that we want to do like an old school Nickelodeon type show. And that's where something goes horribly wrong. Um, but any, anything where someone gets slimed, I enjoyed a, a great deal. You can't do that on television. It was like my whole childhood, and I think I have a weird Canadian sense of of, of comedy because of it. <laughs> I was in love with Moose. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to see something like Akin to a Double Dare or something uh, on SNL. That would be that would be hilarious. It'd be great. Oh yeah, I I, I did this thing this year. Uh, I love Double Dare, and I've all, me and Mikey Day. I keep bringing them up. We 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 have a lot of the same sensibility as far as it comes to cartoons and, and Nickelodeon stuff. We always talk about like a double dare type thing but he helped me with that american ninja warrior uh, <laughs> uh sketch that we did this year but so good. We, we've written many met we have plotted out the rules and the sets of many a child's game show to try and get on <laughs> snl that like oftentimes we probably could have gotten the sketch on but we spent way too much time on the set and the rules of the game that they were like all right this isn't a real kids game show <laughs> What's the reaction like when people find out that you, Bobby Moynihan, do the voices for some of these characters that they love? What what is it like when little kids find out? That's the best. I mean, my friends' kids watching like Nature Cat or watching We Bear Bears and like soon to be other stuff that I can't say yet. But like that's what excites me is like my my good friends having their kids watching it makes me really happy. Yeah. My sister's kid watches it and like <laughs> he'll hear my voice and he just kind of freaks out. He also kind of doesn't care anymore. Um, <laughs> I went to Comic-Con this year for Wee Bear Bears and I realized how many awesome Wee Bear Bears fans there are out there and like that that's really sweet and wonderful and there was a couple people dressed up as Panda and that's when you freak out and you go like this is the best. Plus Daniel Chong is just a genius. The guy who created Wee Bear Bears is just uh, he's a genius. When it comes to animation that man is an absolute genius um what was comic he, he worked like? on inside out as well yeah definitely yeah he worked on inside out he actually uh i think he designed my character for inside out forgetter bobby forgetters and then he yeah 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 <laughs> um i think he designed that character and worked on it and then called me up for we bear bears um comic-con was the best i I've, I've gone many many years in a row as a fan and now i've been going uh for work and it's it's i'll tell you one thing much easier to get into things when you have a pass <laughs> for working um uh <laughs> i've snuck into a lot of panels uh using that pass that i wasn't supposed to be at this past year was absolutely wonderful because it was the first time that uh me, Dimitri Martin, and Eric Edelstein, who play Ice Bear and Grizz on We Bear Bears. It was the first time all three bears were in the same room together. So, oddly enough, it was super fun. And, yeah, we had we had a blast. It was nice. I, I've known uh, Dimitri for a while and Eric for a while, too, but we'd never all actually physically been in the same room and being able to talk and... We improvised as the bears, and it was a blast. It was a uh, it was a, a lot of fun. I I, I enjoy uh, creating that world, and I enjoy the the fans of it even more. So being able to do it for them live was 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 pretty great. And uh, a couple of the animators who who make it look so great were there, and they were doing live uh, drawings, having people you know scream stuff out, and just they were drawing their scenarios on a on a big monitor. It was it was a fun it was fun. It was a blast. I, w- I would go for free every year. For the rest of my life. <laughs> 
Bobby, are you any uh, are you a gamer at all? Yes, with a question mark. Okay. Um, I play. I have a lot of specific likes. Any kind of the Star Wars games or any one of those games. I like a lot of like movie based games. They don't really <laughs> make them anymore. But like, if they make a terrible game based on a movie, I'm the first one to buy it and <laughs> and not really hate it. Kind of enjoy how bad. It is. <laughs> What's uh, your it favorite? Makes me laugh a great deal. <laughs> What's your favorite video game of all time? Wow, maybe Fallout. Okay, that was like a that was a really Fallout Five. Was it one of them? Resident Evil Five. I enjoyed a great deal, and this is just the amount of times I played it over and over again. Probably one of those, or um, Knights of the Old Republic was pretty great. Nice, Goldeneye. I like old school hits. Absolutely. Would you want to do a voice I in guess, a video yeah. game? Have you had a chance to do that yet? Oh, I would love to. Yeah. No, I haven't yet. I would love to. That'd be super awesome. Yeah, that would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> You're a big comic book guy. What are some of your favorite comics that you loved growing up, stuff that you love as an adult? What do you like? Um, I, I was always into comics, not necessarily for the reason you think. I loved <laughs> the artists. Uh, my <laughs> It was for murder reasons. No, um, uh, I uh, <laughs> I was very into uh, certain artists. I liked, you know, Jim Lee and uh, J. Scott Campbell were two of my favorites. And I would find comics, like X-Men was a big one that I loved, but like specifically when Jim Lee was doing it, when he kind of, when he brought back that first issue number one with like the five different covers, oh, that yeah. was like the be all end all for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... It was just it was different artists. Joe Joe Madeira. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing some of these right. There's certain type of artists that I like now. Chris Uminga, I really enjoy. He's cool. really great. Um, but I would kind of just buy the comics and then literally just open them up, draw the first page, draw the second page. I was just trying to get good at drawing comics. That's because that's what I wanted to do. I still wouldn't mind, mm. but I'm not that's as great. good as those guys. Oh well, it's okay. I love comedy bang bang. Who is Forval? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Lipton. Um, I, uh, uh, <laughs> Forval is a character I do on Comedy Bang Bang. He is a, a little orphan boy, um, uh, m not much unlike Fival. He is, I say, he's like Fival, but one less. <laughs> um, he is not a cartoon mouse. He is a, a, an orphan with a with a penchant for stabbing people in the <laughs> face and throat and neck. Yeah. That's great. If he doesn't get his way in any way, shape, or form, he will kill you. And he usually doesn't, so he usually kills everybody he runs into. <laughs> How much do you go into your work with the intent of, I'm going to make everybody else break? <laughs> Almost never. I mean, that that you don't want it to break because you want you you want people who don't break uh, because you want to you want to keep going and you want to get home. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, I take all that back. <laughs> With Taryn in particular, I go after Taryn a great deal. There there are some people I like I like going after and trying to make laugh, but. Uh, on that set, too, it was like, if you got David Wayne to laugh, you were the king of the world. That was pretty much, that was like a personal, yeah, if you get Bill Pullman to laugh, that's Lone Star. You don't get better than that. Bobby, when are we going to get a Drunk Uncle movie? When is that going to happen? God, I wish. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it would just be two hours of non sequiturs and racist jokes. So I don't yeah. Know. People yeah. <laughs> want to so see that. Now's the but, uh, time. You got to put it out. Now's the time. <laughs> that being said, I could start shooting it tomorrow. I have the plot. <laughs> I have everything in my head. I think it was established once that Drunk Uncle was an exterminator. So in my mind, it starts off with his birth, literally his birth. <laughs> and he's accidentally gets drunk the first day he was born and he loved it. And then, 
it's just his whole life, and he and, and while he's exterminating, he finds um, an alien spaceship, and he has to save the world <laughs> or something. I don't know. And we'll figure it out. <laughs> done and hundred million dollar opening, <laughs> yeah. and that's incredible. Yeah. That's so great. Where did Drunk Uncle come from? You mentioned that Mark Payne was a guy that you worked with. Is Drunk Uncle an, an actual Drunk Uncle of yours? <laughs> No, I have an Uncle Mike, and he's wonderful. He's a very nice man. <laughs> he is nothing like that. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I credit Drunk Uncle in part to Colin Jost, my father, and Chris Gethard. Uh, <laughs> Chris Gethard and I used to do a bit at UCB. There's a bar near UCB called McManus, and I would pretend uh, to be very drunk and sad rapper, and it would make Chris Gethard laugh, and uh, I didn't... I don't drink very often, and I wasn't drinking pretty much at all at the time. So uh, I would just pretend to be really, really drunk and upset and cry, but I would always do it while rapping for some reason. And uh, people would get concerned and ask if I needed a ride home, and Chris would go like, he's fine, I'm going to get him. And <laughs> it was just this weird bit. It was just this weird bit to make Chris Gethard laugh. And then uh, when I got SNL, we had to write down names of characters that we had, and I, I wrote down dr- – I just wrote down dr- – drunk uncle i don't know why <laughs> i did it i don't know why what made it change from drunk rapper to drunk uncle i just maybe thought it was funnier <laughs> and then like what was it two or three years into snl colin just came up to me one night at like five in the morning and was like do you have anything for update and i was like i don't know maybe this like drunk uncle thing i do a drunk guy okay <laughs> and then it kind of when i said uncle colin kind of put in like the dad jokes or you know like that kind of stuff and just the <laughs> Then we started talking about my dad and Archie Bunker and and stuff like that. So there's it's kind of just all came from that. Just <laughs> it's pretty much just that uh, that that person in, in your family that means well and is probably a nice person, but their terminology <laughs> is outdated and their ways of thinking may need to be updated. Absolutely, yeah. and they don't understand technology. They may, they may need to watch Inside yeah. Out or We Bear Bears uh, a little bit more. Correct. Um, you're a yeah. fantastic rapper, by the way. I've seen you rap. You're great. Thank you. I did a show called Chosen about a gay white rapper, but I did not do any of the rapping that was uh, that was, creator, that was Grant. <laughs> if I gave you a topic like, say, Christmas, would you be able to rap for us a little bit? Freestyle rap? Of co- yeah, Absolutely Bobby. Oh. not. Oh. I'm terrified of free. Freestyle rapping is quite possibly the <laughs> hardest thing to do in the in, in improv community. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, to do it good, to do it at one point in my life, I was a phenomenal freestyle rapper. That point <laughs> is that ship has sailed. I also got to do a movie with Method Man and saw him freestyle, and I was like, "Yep, I'm never doing that again." It's just rude. <laughs> oh, great! And I have another reason to be mad at Method Man for is for taking away Bobby. <laughs> Any dream projects in the world of animation that you would love to do that you haven't done yet? Anything that you'd like to voice? Oh, everything. Are you kidding me? Um, any one of the Marvel characters, I, I would love they could, just to be a superhero in any in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot of those uh, Marvel cartoons, like, and they're all they're all fantastic. I would love to uh, if I could voice any Marvel character. I would want to voice the Blob. It's my the Blob or Juggernaut, <laughs> my two favorite characters. Fred J. Dukes, the um, Blob. Okay, all right. Yeah, very Great. nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's my dream role is the Blob. That's Not many people say that, but <laughs> that's a, that is that is an absolute truth. Um, or Modok. Um, oh, you'd be a great. And, Modok. Uh, 
Oh yeah, not so bad. Yeah. I got the neck for it. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I would love to. Uh, of course, I, I think I have stalked the people at Star Wars Rebels long enough. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get on <laughs> on that show a great deal. Uh, I love the the Marvel world and Star Wars world. Anything anything that creates a universe, I really enjoy. To get Obviously, yeah. In, you so. guys you guys banged out some hilarious sketches in those worlds on SNL. So as a as a fellow fan, thanks. It's always fun to see you guys play around in that stuff. That's great. Thank you. I get very excited when uh, someone from that world comes to host because they pretty much just now look at me and Taryn and go like, all right, you guys, get ready to work. And oh, Mikey Day, too. Okay, nerds. All right, Mikey, come on in here. What do yeah. you got? Yeah, <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time and talking to us today about animation and about voice acting. And last chance, you want to do a little freestyle rap for us? I don't. Oh, okay, great. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> but nice try. Yeah. But such a good try. <laughs> I had to try it. I had to do it. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again. Thank you, sir. Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation with the always hilarious Bobby Moynihan. That was a thrill for me. That was so, so cool. Cannot wait to see the upcoming soon-to-be Christmas classic, Albert. If you're like me and you can't wait, go to nickanimationpodcast.com. They've got a bunch of awesome behind-the-scenes extra stuff from Albert. You're going to want to check it out. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana vasquez Eberhard, Kelly Smith, Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures, this week's episode edited by Josh Caldwell, Jonathan Highlander. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians, Sammy Armager, David Watson. And thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Grova. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. <laughs>